When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. everyone this fine day i am matt williamson this is my second ever podcast for dk i urge you to go check out the first one we didn't i did an entire episode just my thoughts first of the series on just quarterback situation you know one position group hitting it hard try to get it from all angles We're going to keep that rolling here for the next couple weeks. I'm going to talk running backs today. I don't think that's going to fill the entire show as quarterbacks did. So it might be running backs and tight ends. If we buzz through those fast enough and get them under, you know, still have time, maybe we'll talk receivers. So let's just see where this takes us. But I like to kind of start at the bottom of the depth chart. And it's an area of concern for me, frankly, for the Steelers. We'll get to that in a minute. But... Here's a name you probably haven't heard of. Mateo Durant is an undrafted free agent rookie. He's someone to watch in the preseason. Uh, He's got a little bit of juice. They gave him a decent signing bonus. So he has a chance. I mean, just someone to know that name. I bet, you know, week two, fourth quarter preseason, he's ripping off a long run or two, and you're sitting there with your iron, cold iron going, "Hmm, who's this Durant character? He looks all right. So just in a a key for him, which is a key for all these bottom of the roster running backs, is what can they do on special teams? Frankly, I don't know. Does he have any return ability? I mean, he's kind of built like a kickoff returner. Um, Can he run down down and make tackles? Can he make the special teams coach happy? That's obviously extremely important. And I'm talking about a practice squad guy here. Uh, Trey Edmonds is still in the mix. At this point, he is what he is. He's a special team or kind of a plotter. Uh, with all respect to the Edmonds family, I think you can do better than him as a rosterable player. So, Anthony McFarland. Well, I, I'm going to take a quick detour here. Bring up Derek Watt super quick as well in this backfield because I don't want to forget the fullback. Folks, I know he's making a lot of money and a lot of you guys look at him and say, he hardly is ever on the field. Why are the Steelers using this much cap space on Derek Watt? It's not, be, it's not because his last name is Watt. Maybe that helps a little. If his last name is Williamson, maybe it wouldn't be quite as good, but I don't really think that's the truth. The truth is, he is one of the elite special teams players in the entire league. You know, so they're paying him much as like the Bills are playing paying Tyler Matikevich, you know, as a great special teamer. And he's listed as a fullback. They rarely use a fullback. They run 11 personnel, at least last year and in recent years, with one back, one tight end, three receivers on the field, more than just about anybody in the league, give or take. 
there's not a lot of opportunity for a fullback. And I know some of you are like, that'll help the run game. Yeah, kind of would, but he's not Dan Kreider, Tim Lester, blow people up. He's a good blocker, not a phenomenal one. He can catch the ball. He can run a little bit. But I think defenses look at it and say, you're going to have a quarterback, five offensive linemen, and that leaves you five skill position players. I mean, pretty simple math, folks. If one of those guys is Derek Watt, I think the defense is very happy about it. So his value is with Coach Smith on special teams, and he has immense value there. So I just want to get that out of the way. Anthony McFarlane, I don't know what to think of this guy. I'm disappointed with what we've seen so far. I expected more. But he's also not had as much opportunity as you would like either. Like, he came in the year when there was no preseason, really could have used that. I mean, COVID, you know, didn't give him that opportunity and therefore never gained the trust of the coaching staff, in my opinion. And that's especially important with ball security, but more so trust factor-wise is your blitz pickup and your pass protection. Can't have him out there if I'm unsure. I'm not saying he can't do it, but if I'm unsure he's going to be a reliable pass protector, I can't have him on the field unless he's a superstar dynamic athlete which he's a good athlete and a dynamic player, but not to that level. You know, I mean, he's not a special ball carrier that I can overlook some of his protection concerns. And again, I don't know if he's good or bad at it, but coaches' usage indicates they don't trust him yet with it. They really could use a change of pace guy, the Amos Zaraway type dude. And I think McFarland has those traits, but I also think he tries to hit the home run too much. There's, you know, one of my favorite Foghorn Leghorn sayings is you're doing a lot of chopping, boy, but there ain't no chips a flying. Well, there's a lot of wasted motion and not a lot of yards gained. There's arms flailing and things going all over the place, but not racking up yardage in the process needs to become more of a professional runner. That's fine when you're Saquon Barkley and you want to bounce everything and run away from everyone, but you're not Saquon Barkley, you know, Barkley, Anthony. He was extremely highly recruited. I do see talent there. I liked the pick when they made it, but this is absolutely make or break time for McFarland. I mean, he is at a career crossroads and he is going to either make it or break it here. See, Benny Snell is the opposite to me and he's not to the Derek Watt level, But he was right there with guys like Justin Lane in terms of very high number of special teams snaps played. And you got to think about it from a coach's perspective. On game day, I can only dress so many players. I need guys that are going to get their jerseys dirty and help me out. And again, Danny Smith's going to say, please don't take Benny Snell away from me on game day because I got to play with 11 dudes too. And he's one of my core five or six. Um, So... That has value, and I give him all the credit in the world. Big concerns for me with Benny coming out of college were he was kind of a big fish in a little pond, feature player on a not-so-great team. I know he was in the SEC, but he didn't have to play special teams. He he wasn't proven in protection, but he really worked hard as a rookie and ever since to get better in those regards. I mean, I watched it live at practice, and he's gotten very reliable. You know, where all that talk I just had about McFarland not being reliable or trustworthy yet, Snell's the opposite, but he's not dynamic at all. You know, I mean, he is a get what's blocked and a little more type of guy. And here's what I always say about Snell is, I think being a workhorse back at the NFL level is a trait. Like 
Emmett Smith with his shoulder hanging off. Give me the ball. I'm still going to carry the team. I think Snell has some of those qualities that he physically can handle and can hold up and, you know, for 20, 20 to 25 carries a game. Late in the game, he's not noticeably dragging compared to the beginning. I'm not a big can-wear-down-the-defense guy, but he has some of those traits as well. But my problem, and again, I say this all the time about Snell, is if that's your thing you do best, I don't want to ever give you the ball 20 or 25 times because you're not good enough. You know, so being a workhorse, he doesn't get over the bar of level of ability, you know, so it's fine if Najee's out and you have to give him 20 carries a game, he can handle it and he's still going to get 3.8 carries, you know, yards per carry or whatever and drag some people and all that. But I never wanted that to be part of the design. So his greatest strength isn't something I want to use from him. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In the end, I think one of the biggest holes in this roster is a backup running back. I don't see a NFL number two running back on this team. And you're close to out of options right now. I mean, there's guys like David Johnson who would be sort of intriguing to me. And again, I'm going to talk about Najee here in a minute. But a guy like David Johnson was right there with Lev Bell as a big all around receiving and running back. But in running back years, that was a hundred years ago. I mean, these guys age quick. I don't have great other names that are free agents currently, but you could also trade for one on the cheap, get those guys extremely cheap, sixth or seventh round pick and guys will get cut. So I think they should be very open to the idea of trying to find something resembling a number two running back. I lobbied a little bit for Melvin Gordon. I mean, he sat out there for a while, did only signed for a couple million to go back to Denver, be a lot more comfortable with his backfield with somebody like that, who ain't what he used to be, but is still a quality number two. So Harris obviously has the workman workhorse mentality, makeup, every down ability. They must see a lot of Lev Bell in him in terms of usage. And I used to give Tomlin a hard time, like, man, you're running Lev Bell into the ground. 
but that's not how coaches think, you know, when it's, you know, it's November and you're in Cincinnati in a dogfight game, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm worried about using Najee up too much because he's the best guy on the team running the ball, catching the ball, running routes, in protection, short yardage, whatever phase of running back there is, he's the best on the team, just as Lev Bell was back in the day. Um, I wish there was a D'Angelo Williams here. I would settle for three quarters of a D'Angelo Williams, but that guy is currently missing. As for Harris, he's very physically impressive. And I've heard this worry or, you know, this talk of the added weight. I stood right next to him at camp and he looks phenomenal. He looks thickly built. And I even said to Mike Pursuta, my first day at camp walking out, like, boy, Najee looks different and he looks bigger and stronger. And, you know, he didn't do a ton of drills. So I'm not saying he looks sluggish or anything. I, I don't believe that. Um, let's talk about him as a receiver, first of all, though, because he caught a lot of passes as a rookie, but a lot of them were Ben getting it out of his hands, dumping it off, and then three linebackers crushing, you know, they weren't running routes. They weren't like Lev Bell was a receiving back. They were dump offs. They was a very low level of degree of difficulty there. And I think that's going to change drastically because like last training camp they would line Najee up by the goal line and throw him fades I mean he ran wide receiver routes as a 235 pound back or whatever he weighs nowadays against linebackers at Bama at camp that was some of the great allure to him to use a first round pick on a running back so I think those things are coming I think he is going to run slants and fades and comebacks and receiver routes and he's phenomenal at it. We haven't, you guys haven't seen it yet in a Steeler uniform. I think that is coming. He has very, he has unusually long arms. And why is that important? Well, it's big in protection because he keeps people off his body. It's great in, as a stiff arm guy. You've seen that here and there as a runner. But his catching radius is phenomenal. And if you watch practice, he routinely makes difficult wide receiver catches well over his head, well away from his body, plucks a ball with one hand routinely. And I don't use that word lightly here. He can be a great receiver, much like Lev Bell, David Johnson were many moons ago. I mean, he's not going to be Kamara McCaffrey in terms of exploding out of breaks on a, you know, a jerk route, things like that. But he can be a highly, highly accomplished big back receiver. To me, that's different than the small scat back receiver types. And that's extremely valuable. And because of that skill, that's why I basically condoned him as a first round pick because of his ability as in the passing game, as a receiver. Um, talk about protection real quick. At Bama, he was a little bit of a work in progress there. He was a little bit of a catcher in protection, let guys get into his body a little bit and didn't use those long arms. I think he corrected that pretty quick at the NFL level. I, I'm impressed with his protection. He's not at all bashful about sticking his face mask in, in someone's chest or any of the physicality of it or doing it. And he'll be just fine there. Obviously, he has the size and strength to show, uh, to handle very, very well in protection. Uh, he should only get better. And, and he is an extremely hard worker, maybe to a fault to an Antonio Brown-like level where they got to hide his helmet at times. So he, he works on all the little things without question. Um, two other things I want to talk about with him is him as a runner and him as a leader. 
Um, I don't know if you caught the, the podcast that Mike Tomlin was on, and I forget the name of it, but he flat out said, we are going out of our way, and Cam Hayward's very involved in this, of making Najee a leader. And boy, his personality screams that. And the offense is unusually young. It's the youngest offense in the league, I'm almost sure. So they're looking for veteran leaders. Gone are the days of Ben and Pouncey and Villanueva and DeCastro and all those dudes. And they need people to step up as leaders. And I think Harris has as good a chance as anyone on that side of the ball. Quarterbacks are their own beast. That should develop. Who knows? Pickett's also a great leader, but as a college player. But these guys are first and second year players. You know, my problem with having a great running back is your biggest leader. And it did work out great for Bettis. Is the problem is, and you can't pick and choose these things. You know, you all, you want everyone to be leaders. You want everyone to be high character guys. But running backs just don't last 10 years. You know, I mean, a very successful Najee Harris Steeler career would be four very strong years, pick up his fifth year option, you know, as a one of the better backs in the league in his fifth year, franchise him his sixth year, send him on his way. You know, I mean, so if you already got one of those years in the books, and, you know, it, it's hard to be a long-term leader at that position. Again, Jerome was phenomenal at it. And, you know, in the end of his career, he wasn't the same. I don't know that Harris will be that type of guy. Who knows? Um, as a runner, he was a little bit of a tough evaluation because clearly, I mean, this is the understatement of the year, running room at Bama versus running room in Pittsburgh last year couldn't have been any different. This offense was so unbelievably easy to play against in that everyone crowded the line scrimmage. You know, they they didn't want Harris to beat them. They knew Ben wasn't going to beat them over the top or even on the second level. So those linebackers are crashing hard and they're stacked boxes left and right, to be honest with you. I mean, there's just nowhere really to get going. That being said, again, I really think he's talented. But I didn't see enough burst, enough juice. And that's the only thing that worries me about adding weight as opposed to cutting weight, because I saw a lot of juice at Bama. You know, the when there was a whole, I want to see the extra gear, you know, the burst, the pow, the pop. I didn't see a lot of that. You know, I saw a lot of physicality, but I saw a little bit of more of a plotter. And that's a negative word. And I don't mean that's not exactly the best word for him. Than I thought, though, you know, I, I I didn't see a lot of electricity. So I'm excited to see that going forward. I'm sure he will get zero snaps in the preseason. So week one, we'll get to that. Um, that's my take on the backs. We do have some time. So let's knock out tight ends here real quick is there's five guys I'm looking at on this depth chart. Jay Sternberger was somebody I was really high on and thought the Steelers should investigate coming out of A&M several years ago. His career has really plummeted. And keep an eye on him. Maybe he can rejuvenate himself in a new place. I don't have high hopes. Kevin Raider's a good football player to me. 
And injuries have been a problem for him a little bit, but he's a special teamer. He's tough. I think he can be an NFL third tight end and shouldn't be forgotten at all. Connor Hayward's a tight end here. Um, I assume that's the meeting room he will walk into every day, but he's very similar to the Derek Watt conversation to me is he's going to be a core special teamer. Coincidentally, his big brother is one of the best team players on the team, just like Derek. I think he's better with the ball in his hands than Derek, but probably not NFL quality in terms of deserves a lot of touches on an NFL offense Sunday against a good team. But I think he has a lot of value with being able to do all the little things, maybe in a cow use check sort of way. Is he really a tight end? Is he really a fullback? How do defenses account for him? Do they count him as a tight end or or as a running back? We'll see. A lot of those jack-of-all-trades players, trust me, I'm rooting for them, but the jack-of-all-trades players, master of none, become kind of like I mentioned with Watt, that if you're only going to put five skill guys on the field, I want Watt or Hayward out there if I'm a defense. You know, okay, he can do a lot of things, but none of them are going to hurt me that bad. You know, so we'll see. Um, Curious how they use them. I didn't like Zach Gentry at all coming out of Michigan. I thought he looked like a baby giraffe. I thought he played unbelievably high, but I give him a lot of credit too, because, you know, a lot of you out there hate the term come draft time. Oh, he's a project. A lot of projects don't work out. Well, he was a project and he has worked out as a very valuable blocking tight end that can do more than that. I mean, I think he'll catch a handful of touchdowns every year, you know, a little fewer, but he's getting a lot of snaps and he deserves it. He helps those tackles out quite a bit. They need better peripheral blocking in the run game. And by that, I mean non-offensive linemen. And I think Gentry provides that. And then I'm including wide receivers in that mix. You know, that they need better blocking from guys that aren't carrying the ball, that aren't a quarterback or a lineman. And he has value there. I think he has developed into an NFL number two tight end, which is valuable, <laughs> which means he's going to have a long uh, Jesse James or better like career, you know, Matt Spath or better like career. And I think he has a little more ability than those guys and is continuing to improve. Clearly has put in the work, gets his pads lower than I thought he could. Um, so there's value there with him. I, I think Gentry has been a very pleasant surprise for me. I adore Pat Fryermuth. Uh, I mean, he is a do-it-all guy that was the focus of that Penn State passing game and still produced. I think he'll catch a ton of touchdowns over his career. I think he's only getting better. Um, blocking still a work in progress, but uh, any of you that know the play fantasy or look around the league, for number one, every down tight ends, blocking's not what it used to be. I mean, Mark Bruner wouldn't be a first-round pick anymore, you know what I'm saying, with all respect to him, or Cal Brady, another Penn State guy. Um, to me, Fryermuth is going to be a perennial top 10 NFL tight end, maybe top five or six before long, still developing as a blocker with his strength and power and ability to hold up for an entire season. Uh, He sat down with Dale and us at camp and said, I probably could have done more in the weight room. Not that he was slacking, just that the rigors of the rookie season was more than I thought. And I didn't feel as strong at the end of the years at the beginning. And he's doing a lot to correct that. 
great. That's exactly what I want to hear. Runs well. Uh, I think you can use him in a lot of ways as a pass catcher, but especially down the seam. And it wouldn't shock me at all if he develops a real rapport with Trubisky, but Pickett, you know, I mean, long-term. I'm not going to say it's Ben and Heath, but you get the idea. I mean, I think that there is some credence to having a quality, reliable tight end for a young quarterback to develop with, to grow up with. And I think that situation is in place here. And folks, you know, Kevin Colbert knew these things. When he drafted Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth, if I would have been working for DK at the time, I would have told you this is in preparation for the first round quarterback next year or the rookie quarterback or the new quarterback. You know, I was talking about building the nest. These are reliable. These are young quarterback friendly players, Najee and Fryermuth. You know, this was all part of the plan and we'll get to the O-line down the road as were those O-line picks, you know, let them have a year of growing pains. All this young offense has, you know, they had a lot of growing pains last year, but they also played a lot of snaps and are a year ahead of the new quarterback. And that's all, you know, by design. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this one too. We'll, we'll dig into, I guess, wide receivers next. Uh, that is a wrap over and out.